This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here again, our third part in this little mini-series on zoning matters, and really on items and strategies to maximize use of your property, things like rezone, variance, and today we'll cover more of the conditional use permits. Basically, you know, an alternative mount, um, alternative route to fighting the city or, or, or working with the city, depending on the, how the case may be, to utilize your property in light of some code restrictions that are not helpful. So today on conditional use permits, these are these are probably more rare for MHP, but sometimes they're called CUPs. Some people say CUPs, but really I think it's supposed to be CUPs. These are basically uses permitted on a permanent basis so long as the district so long as within the district you know the conditions are met so it's like a temp it's like an exception that can go on forever so long as you don't exacerbate it too much so similar to what i mentioned previously there's a lot of nimbies not in my backyard protests people don't like certain things including mobile home parks often times so the city wants to appease the, the you know unruly mob of protesters but they recognize that there may be some merit to their cause, so they kind of split the baby, if you will, and they, they give you some permission. So, for example, it's it's typical in a residential neighborhood, including a mobile home park, that you're not allowed to have a commercial business. You know, it makes sense that you don't want some guy in the mobile home park, you know, fixing cars and running a used car lot or a mechanic shop in the mobile home park. So, they, you know, my rules would actually preclude that, but you want the city rules to preclude that preclude that also but i would not care if there's a a daycare or a nanny in the mobile home park or somebody that you know does tax prep um works as a little you know accountant on the side or i don't know even baked cookies or something like that and people come to their house and bake cookies i met a guy the other day he sells artisan bread um you know frankly i don't care if you're selling artisan bread the city might care because it's a slippery slope. Well, they let Ferd sell artisan bread, and are, how are they going to tell the other guy no if he wants the guy across the street? He wants to do a lawnmower repair shop. So, typical condition use permit would say, okay, Ferd, you can have your artisan bread commercial business in a residential or in a mobile home park zoning classification, but we're going to limit it. We don't want a bunch of traffic, and we don't want a bunch of stuff coming and going all hours of the night. Also, because that could be cover for some illicit business like the sale of drugs so the way they can limit is say look for you can't have you have limited signage like you can't put a big sign up Ferd's bread you got to basically just word of mouth or your website or something else people know it's at your house second you got to have regular hours of operation like nine to five you can't have people coming and going at midnight third you can't have people park on the street or do drive-through they got to go in your driveway and park and walk up to your house which obviously limits the number of people to how many cars in front of my driveway. So those are some conditions that the municipality would impose on the property owner as a way to kind of induce behavior or restrict negative behavior. 
So typically you have to apply for a conditional use permit. Typically you do it when you got caught, frankly, when you got caught doing it you weren't supposed to or when you want to start doing it and it's not permitted. So you go ask for special permission and you go through the approval process. Sometimes these are, these are given by um, like a, a quasi-government agency like the Board of Zoning Adjustment. Other times, depending on the, the CUP, it could be administrative. But, you know, it's typically in, in an ask-for-permission kind of process. Some of the flaws with these, similar to the variances, is you know, I can argue, oh, I need a variance, I'm a special exception, I need a conditional use. Well, that may be my, maybe my opinion. So the city may not give it to me, even though it would, should be reasonable for them to do so. Um, alternatively, the city may tell me, okay, we'll give it to you, but you got so many restrictions. So, for example, on my bread business... Here's you can open your bread business, but you're only allowed to be open, you know, on Sundays, you know, between noon and two. I mean, okay, and you and you got to put a fire retardant roof on and a bunch of other stuff because now you got an extra bread oven in there. It's like, okay, well that's not going to make my business worth it. So the conditions the conditions are too restrictive or too burdensome, and it's going to make it's going to neuter the value of the CUP. So that's a common problem with those in general. I mean. I've I had a client. He didn't. It was, I don't remember if it was a CUP or a variance, but basically the city, one or the other, the city said, "We'll let you bring bring homes in." He, he in my opinion, he had a grandfather right to bring homes in because he was exempt from the code. And when we were fighting it, the city said, "Well, we disagree." So like, okay, okay, client, we can sue. Well, that was an expensive deal and lawsuit, and it wasn't certain. There wasn't local case law that was on point it was just looking at you know macro level uh you know global global law and understanding of these matters that was on our side but we had an obstinate small town and a client that you know frankly didn't have the money or the appetite to pay for litigation so he decided to go the route of the permission i you know i tend to fight instead of ask permission sometimes but he went the route asked for permission either a variance or a cup and the city said, okay, we'll let you bring these trailers in, but they've got to be five years or newer, five years old or newer. Well, that didn't really work financially in this market. He couldn't buy new homes and sell them reasonably. So it was so onerous. that, And there, frankly, there was no rational basis for that. You can't prove to me that a five-year-old home is good for the public health, safety, welfare, and morals of the community, but a six-year-old home is not. And then also, do those? It was great. Do those five-year-old homes? Do they become too old five years from now when they're now six years old, or are they grandfathered from that code? And the city didn't really want to uh, cave on that. And I guess we'll never know because we never agreed to that provision, and we never fought the city. We just the guy just moved on, and I don't blame him too much. The city was being obstinate. And it just wasn't economical in that case to fight. So sometimes, even if you think you're right or you know you're right, the city fights you. Uh, I'm fighting the city in Iowa right now on infilling a vacant lot. And somebody else already fought this fight, fought the good fight for us in Des Moines. And he took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won. And then the state legislature codified the decision so it's now state legislative approved law and it's Supreme Court case law. It's, it's crystal clear. Now, that doesn't apply in Ohio. 
uh, or some other state, it's, 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 you know, pretty persuasive, pretty good arguments for it. But Ohio or North Dakota or something, they don't have to listen to Iowa. Iowa's supposed to listen to Iowa. I'm dealing with an unincorporated county in Iowa that says, well, we disagree with that rule. And I'm sitting here like, you can't. You know, you just, you can't. You know, there's some restrictions and stuff and fire code and some other things, but there'd be an obstinate. So now it's like, do I have to sue you guys to prove I'm right? So sometimes, even when you're right, you know, when you, you know, it's like, it's like what I, the old saying, wrestling in the mud with a pig. You lose either way because you end up getting all muddy and the pig likes it. So that's what I feel like it is sometimes fighting the government is, even if I win, it costs me time, energy, and money to do it. So you have to evaluate from a total, I call it cost-benefit analysis, which I, I jokingly say is the juice worth the squeeze. And if it ain't, then sometimes you got to swallow your pride and move on, um, which is not easy to do, frankly. But an alternative method, back to my regularly scheduled programming, an alternative method to suing or caving in is to compromise and request a conditional use permit and hope and argue that the restrictions are not going to be so onerous that it completely neuters your, your property rights. If they, frankly, if they try too hard, you know, you, you can get back into that regulatory taking, but not as much on a taking on a, on a CUP as you have with a variance. Because a, a variance, it's like a reasonable exception, a rezone. Sometimes you can have, like, I have a reasonable right to rezone, and if you, if you, especially if the city imposes like an overlay zoning district or and or changes their zoning code, and now it's so much more restrictive. Now I have a better saleable argument, colorable argument that it's this is a regulatory taking or at least a partial taking, and you need to have compensation for that. So I forgot to mention in the last episode, but that's one of the reasons why cities grant some of these variances is because they could grant me. I gave the example on a 29 foot desired home placement from the perimeter and a 30-foot required setback. Realistically, the city isn't that harmed by letting me get my way of a one-foot exception, especially if I didn't cause the problem. And it's it's cheaper and easier for them to just cave and give us some of those rather than potentially have, have me be the angry old guy that fights them and then makes some sort of claim or suit and gets an award for taking. And so anyway, the city sometimes make a neat, they do their own cost-benefit analysis. They just happen to be like the house at the casino, and you got to fight them. But, um, you know, they, they do some analysis as well. So anyway, those are the three items I really wanted to cover here in this little mini-series, you know, rezoning, variance, and CUP. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.